Welcome to Sleep Cues, the everything baby sleep podcast. I'm Erin, pediatric sleep consultant and founder of The Happy Sleep Company. From catnaps to night wakes and regressions to teething, we cover all things baby sleep. With a passion for children's sleep, we're here to help tired families get healthy rest. Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. It is Q&A Tuesday. We're going to cover some of the top questions that I got this past week or two. This week, I got a bunch of questions that I really find always pertain to the start of a new chapter. It's usually the fall. So in the fall, we see our kiddos going back to school. We see a lot of children going to daycare because a lot of parents are finishing up their maternity leaves, especially parents who've perhaps been able to extend their maternity leave a little bit to enjoy the summer with their toddler and now are sending them to daycare in September. We see a big influx of children going to daycare in September. So a bunch of questions about that. Also questions about vacationing because now that some of the restrictions are being lifted in a lot of places around the pandemic. We are able to travel a little more. So of course, starting to get questions about hotel stays and how to keep sleep on track when you are traveling with a small child or a baby. So those questions kind of bookend today's Q&A. So let's dive in and we'll talk through some of these things. First question is about planning for daycare. So the question said this. It was, I think this was from my DM inbox on Instagram. Someone DM'd me and said, Hey, Aaron, question for you. Do you have like a transition plan? Sorry, I'm reading this word for word. Do you have like a transition plan for kids that need to be on a one nap schedule for daycare by 12 months of age? Great question. I don't. And here's why I do have a transition plan for children who are going to go from two naps to one nap around 16 or 18 months. That is when I generally recommend that children go from two naps to one nap per day. Usually children handle it a little bit better. All the awake time that comes along with having to stretch out to a one nap schedule, they handle it better when they're closer to a year and a half. But don't fret if your child has to go down to one nap sooner than that. Many children need to because they start daycare at 12 months of age and many daycares only offer one nap per day because it's simply more logistically feasible for them with lots of children on different schedules. That's too hard and is just very complicated for many daycares and I get that. So many daycares for that reason will drop them down to one nap at 12 months or whenever they start daycare. So I do have a transition plan for slowly and sort of gradually transitioning your child from two naps to one nap around 16 or 18 months. And you can find that in our 11 to 18 month sleep guide at thehappysleepcompany.com. But in response to this mom, I was telling her, I don't recommend transitioning your child gradually to a one nap schedule if they have to go to a one nap schedule quite early, i.e. 12 months of age. I recommend you just let daycare do it. 12 months is pretty early to go to one nap. Lots of children do it, but it's earlier than most children are quite ready. So why would we do it any earlier than we have to? I would just keep your child on a two nap schedule. If they're already doing great with that schedule and their sleep thrives on that schedule, then let's just keep them on it as long as we can. And then when they go to daycare, let daycare make the transition. For one, we just don't want to mess with the schedule any earlier than we have to if it's going so well. For another, your daycare is probably going to have an easier time transitioning your child to one nap a day than you are. Why? 
Daycare is a really distracting, stimulating environment. So your child at daycare is probably going to be distracted from their crankiness and overtiredness in the morning when there are lots of things going on, new people, lots of other children, new toys, different things to do all the time. They'll be more distracted and probably be able to get to that midday nap without being so cranky or really noticing it at daycare. At home, it's hard to keep our children as distracted and as stimulated and as entertained at home as it is at daycare when there's just so much else going on. So at home, you may find it a little harder to transition your child to a one-nap schedule early because they are just very aware of the fact that they're tired and cranky and it's hard to distract them. So your daycare provider is probably going to have an easier time with it. So I would just let your daycare do it. Don't switch to that schedule any earlier than you have to. Just switch when it needs to happen when your child goes to daycare. Next question for today. Hello, Erin. Is there a two-year-old sleep regression? Got anything on this? My guy is 22 and a half months old. He has consistently napped from 12 to 3 for months. Now, for the last week, he doesn't. He just rolls around, talks, and laughs, etc. Help. Don't fret, this is a nap strike, and they happen, and they especially happen with toddlers, and he should get past it. 22 and a half months is very early to be dropping a nap, so I'm confident that he is not ready to drop his nap, but he's got a load going on in terms of development, both physical and cognitive development, especially cognitive development at 22 months is happening, and that's why you're seeing the laughing, the singing, the chatting instead of the napping. A nap strike is what we refer to when a child who was previously napping really well suddenly fights nap time. And like I said, it's it's commonly happening when a child is getting closer to an age of dropping a nap, but not always. Sometimes it just happens when your child is still a year away from dropping a nap, but is going through a big stage of development. Number one, don't panic and don't immediately make 100 changes to your child's schedule. Generally, a 22-month-old does well with a nap at 12 p.m., not later. So I would not be jumping to switching his schedule later. I wouldn't be putting him down at 12.30 or 1 o'clock instead of noon. I would keep with what you're doing. That works very well for most 22-month-olds. And later than noon, especially any later than 12.30 for a 22-month-old, is getting pretty late for a nap and you risk him being overtired. So I would not make a whole bunch of changes, keep things as they are. Again, nap strikes are common. If your child is under three years old, and definitely if they're under two and a half, which this child is, he most certainly still needs a nap. But he's, for one or more reasons, currently refusing to fall asleep. Keep offering the nap and be patient and consistent with how you would normally manage any protest at nap time. And the nap strike should pass. So that's a really important point. Be consistent. Don't introduce a bunch of new props or start driving him around for his nap or rocking him to sleep for his nap if that's not something you've ever done in the past. Stick with what you would normally do to manage the nap time. If there's protest, manage it the way you would normally manage sleep time protest. If there's not protest and your child is just singing and chatting in his crib, as you've said in this question, then I would just let him be. Let him hang out. If it gets to the point where he's, you know, been in there so long that it's really going to affect his bedtime if he does fall asleep pretty soon, then you may want to consider a stroller nap on those days when he just really doesn't fall asleep in his crib. You need him to have a nap. 
He's been in there for a while, and at some point, reasonably soon, it's going to negatively affect his bedtime if he doesn't get some rest soon. Then you may consider a stroller nap on those days just to get him through this. Also, do examine his schedule. So this is for other parents because I've already addressed this specific parent. For a child who's 22 months and this mom is saying he naps from 12 to 3, I think that's a great schedule. But if your child is closer to, say, two and a half or three. You want to examine the schedule and make sure that he's actually tired enough by sleep time. A two and a half or three year old generally does do better with a 12:30 or one o'clock nap instead of a 12 o'clock nap, just to put a little bit more sleep pressure on it. So if your child is a little older and is refusing their nap or having that nap strike, you want to examine their schedule and really do consider, you know, for again, older children, whether this truly is a brief strike or if your child is ready to drop a nap. This 22-month-old, I am very confident, again, not ready to drop a nap, but if your child is closer to two and a half, and especially if they're three or older and they've been striking their nap for a while, maybe a couple of weeks, you may want to consider that it's time for them to drop their nap and just have an earlier bedtime instead. The next question on my list is this one. Hi, Erin. I was wondering if any of your highlight reels on Instagram or your posts cover how to transition away from or remove the pacifier. Our girl is turning one next month and heavily relies on it to fall asleep. So this question is a good one because it really relates to sleep coaching in general. When I get asked, do you have tips on removing the pacifier? It's very similar to when I get asked, do you have tips on removing nighttime feeds? Do you have tips on how I transition away from rocking my child to sleep? Do you have tips on how I transition from co-sleeping to putting my child in the crib for sleep? The answer to all of them really is some form of sleep coaching. And we've talked about sleep coaching on the podcast in the past. We have a blog on different sleep coaching techniques. And if you follow us on Instagram at the happy sleep company, you know that I talk about different sleep coaching techniques all the time, but that really is the answer to this question. How do we wean away from the pacifier? How do we work on independent sleep? we do some form of sleep coaching. There are a lot of different forms of sleep coaching. Some of the most common ones are either like a stay in the room approach or a timed check-in approach. So anytime we're making a big change to a child's sleep, like removing a pacifier that she heavily relies on for sleep, in the case of this question, we're making a big change and your child's going to be upset. And we have to be realistic that there are going to be tears involved in sleep coaching and in making those changes. But the important thing is managing the tears in a way that your little one isn't just left alone to cry by themselves for huge extended periods of time with no support, but you are supporting them. And like I said, it might be an approach where you are with your child the whole time while they're falling asleep at first, and then you decide on what you're going to do while you're sitting there with them, what you're not going to do. If you're going to take a timed check-in approach, how long are you going to leave for? How long are you going to come back for? What are you going to do when you come back in the room to offer reassurance? And what are you not going to do? Those are a couple of approaches that you might take into consideration, but you really want to have a plan for those nuances and exactly how that plan is going to look. And that's what I suggest parents really decide on before they get started so that once they do get started with making a change, they'll be really consistent about it because they're confident, because they have that plan. This is exactly what we work on with families every day. We provide them with a full sleep plan once we've gotten to know them and their child and we know what the issues are and the challenges and what we need to change. We create that sleep plan and then we give them a full two weeks of support 
to monitor the sleep and answer questions and give feedback and advice and support each day while we're getting sleep on track. And if you ever want to know more about those services, you can check them out at thehappysleepcompany.com. Next question was about short naps. Hey, Erin, is there anything on your page for short naps? I couldn't find it. My almost one-year-old is on two naps and only naps half an hour each nap. Going crazy is what this question said. So yes, there's lots of stuff on the website about short naps. There's lots of stuff on our Instagram page about short naps. But just to recap it, the two main reasons that children have short naps are too much awake time before their nap and sleep props. So when I talk about too much awake time, I mean, based on your child's age, how much awake time can they handle before they need to rest again? And if you're going beyond that, they're overtired. And when a child is overtired, they often have a more difficult time getting into and staying in a nice, deep, restful sleep. So they will often wake up after about 30 or 45 minutes into their nap and have a difficult time going to sleep if they were overtired when they went down. So in this case, the question was about a one-year-old. And for a one-year-old, I'd generally be doing about three hours of awake time before a nap, maybe three and a half before the second nap of the day, but not more than that. So if the child's having more than that, that might be the issue. So something to think about. And you can check out our blog for more information about different age-appropriate awake times and decide based on your individual child's age how much time they should be awake before they need to be having a nap. Last question for today is about vacationing. Don't we all hope that we can be doing some vacationing soon? This question said, hey, Erin, I tried scrolling your blog but couldn't find this. I feel like you posted recently about how to sleep with a toddler on vacation slash hotel. Am I dreaming that up? Did you post about that? We're hoping for a post-COVID family reunion at an all-inclusive, but we can't decide on two doubles or a king and then a cot or a blow-up bed. What should we do? So clearly this toddler is in a big kid bed based on this mom's question. So it's really up to you. I mean, children are usually really comfy and fine to sleep on a twin size bed or a blow up bed and they don't have a big issue with that. They're often really excited because it's something fun and new. So why not get a nice king size bed for the parents so that they can have that nice big luxurious bed while they're on vacation and your child's more than happy to sleep on a cot on the floor. Usually you can get cots from hotels. You should definitely call ahead and ask if they have them. They might charge you a little extra for it. Or you could bring a blow-up bed. My personal favorite is by a company called The Shrunks. And they make a toddler-sized blow-up bed. They make a family-sized blow-up bed. The great thing about their blow-up beds is they actually have an outer rim that blows up and has rails built in. So the blow-up bed blows up, but the rails also blow up. So if you have a child who has a propensity to fall out of bed or if you have a child who's just transitioning to a big kid bed at home then that can be a really great option because then they're not rolling off of the mattress onto the floor at night it gets really compact and can shrink right down to its original size when you take all the air out of it and so it's fairly easy to travel with also keep in mind that a big double bed for a child who only has a little tiny like crib sized mattress or toddler size mattress at home the big double bed might seem like a bit much he may actually roll out of it he may just seem really confused by it because it's a lot bigger than what he's used to at home and so again the blow-up mattress or the little twin cot mattress on the floor might be a better idea for your little one when you're traveling 
I can't stress enough how important it is to try to create a familiar feeling sleep environment when we're away. It's not possible to create the exact same environment, but the closer you can create to what your child is used to at home, generally the better they're going to sleep when you're on vacation with them. If they sleep in a dark room at home, take portable blackout blinds with you. If they have a sound machine at home, take a portable one with you. If they sleep in a small twin-sized mattress at home, probably better to use something like that than a big double queen or king size bed in a hotel that they'll feel potentially very uncomfortable and overwhelmed by. So keep all of those things in mind. Certainly take their favorite little blankie or levy if you're going on vacation and they sleep with one of those at home and really just try to make it feel more familiar and comfortable for them because they're likely to fall asleep more easily if you can do that while you're on vacation. I hope everyone gets to go on a vacation soon or just gets to visit family, be away from home a little bit. We've all been at home for a really long time now. And I hope coming out of this, everyone is able to take those tips and go on a trip and see your friends and family and relax a little and still keep sleep on track. I hope everyone has a great week and tune in next week to Sleep Cues, the Everything Baby Sleep podcast. Thanks for listening to Sleep Cues, the Everything Baby Sleep podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave a review, and share this episode with a mom or dad who might need some rest. Connect with us on Instagram at The Happy Sleep Company, and check out our website, thehappysleepcompany.com, for loads of blogs, sleep guides, and information about how we work with families one-on-one to get sleep on track.